Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Afghanistan's desert landscape sprawled before us, a harsh and unforgiving terrain. I was part of a group of United States Marines stationed at Bagram Airfield, carrying out our deployment with unwavering dedication. But little did we know that the blood-red moon would bring forth an unimaginable nightmare. Under the eerie lunar glow, strange occurrences began to unfold. Shadows danced menacingly and whispers echoed through the night air. Unease settled over our camp like a heavy fog, and we knew something was amiss. It wasn't long before our worst fears materialized. A cryptid born of nightmares and folklore emerged from the darkness. Its grotesque form seemed to blend with the moonlight, exuding an aura of malevolence. As it prowled the base, chaos and carnage followed in its wake. We were thrust into a battle against an enemy we could barely comprehend, a creature that thrived in the unholy light of the blood-red moon, cut off from reinforcements. We fought with every ounce of strength and skill we possessed. 
Yet the cryptid's power seemed otherworldly, defying conventional warfare tactics. Its speed and ferocity were unmatched, tearing through our ranks with merciless precision. Each encounter was a struggle for survival, a desperate bid to protect ourselves and our comrades. As the nights wore on, we grew weary but refused to surrender. Our camaraderie and unwavering determination became our strongest weapons. We devised strategies exploiting the creature's vulnerabilities and fought with a resilience born from the desire to protect one another and return home alive. But as the moon continued to cast its sinister glow, casualties mounted and hope began to wane. Fear threatened to consume us, yet we pushed forward, knowing that defeat was not an option. We dug deep within ourselves, drawing strength from our training, our love for our country, and the unwavering bond forged in the crucible of combat. In a climactic final showdown, we mustered all our remaining strength and launched a relentless assault. Explosions thundered, gunfire echoed, and blood stained the desert sand. And finally, against all odds, we emerged victorious. The cryptid lay defeated, its reign of terror brought to an end. We stood amidst the remnants of the battlefield, a bittersweet triumph etched on our weary faces. We had faced an unimaginable adversary, an entity that defied reason and challenged our very existence. Our resolve had been tested, and we had emerged stronger. As we surveyed the aftermath, we realized the magnitude of what we had encountered. Our fight against the cryptid beneath the blood, Red Moon had been a battle that extended beyond the physical realm. It was a testament to the indomitable spirit of the human soul, the unwavering resilience of those who serve, and the unbreakable bond of brotherhood that binds Marines together. We returned to our base, forever changed by the horrors we had witnessed. The memory of that blood-red moon and the cryptid that emerged beneath it would forever haunt our dreams. But as we moved forward, scarred but not broken, we carried with us the knowledge that we had stared into the face of darkness and emerged victorious, and in doing so we became legends whispered among the ranks, a testament to the courage of those who walk the path of the Marine. My experience has been Pacific Northwest, mostly. Some Alaska, Montana, New Mexico. Lightning storms above the tree line are fun and remind me of how small and insignificant I am. A windstorm with sustained winds of 70 miles per hour in January in northern Idaho made us move camp at 2 a.m. to the middle of a meadow so trees wouldn't get us. A couple times bears in camp. First time I was six. Mom shot it. The last time was in northeastern Oregon with my eight and six-year-old. It scared me worse with my kids. Didn't have to shoot it. One night in Arkansas and another in Idaho wolves hung around my fire. Met a grizzly heading the opposite direction on a trail in Montana. He kept to the trail. We didn't. The weirdest was hearing several. Something's outside our tent on the shores of Duck Lake in the Wallows in northeast Oregon one night. It was several things jabbering at the same time that made the hair stand up. At that point, I'd had probably forty years in the woods. No idea what I heard. My buddy had no idea, either. Heard a couple times the next couple days around the lake at different times, but not as close as the first night. 
I'm kind of embarrassed to say I eventually googled Bigfoot noises. Found one that sounded similar and that to this day still makes my hair stand up. Still not prepared to say that's what I heard. All in all, around 60 years backpacking, whitewater rafting, hunting, fishing, mountains climbing, backcountry skiing. So really, most trips nothing too scary too often. Now some backcountry self-inflicted stupidity is another story. I was camping, and it was bedtime, and I was in my tent, reading with my headlamp. I noticed a faint buzzing sound. I thought my mind was playing tricks on me in the silence. Then my headlamp started to flicker once or twice, and it completely died. Well, that's weird, because my batteries were recently changed, and the light didn't really dim or get more faint. It flicked once or twice and went completely out. Didn't think much of it. Went to bed. The next evening I went to test my headlamp to replace the battery and it worked great. No issues. I again read my book in my tent on night two and noticed the lack of buzzing sound that I heard the night before. I have no idea what it was, but I have to assume the buzzing and light dying were related. It was very strange. Oh man, I have a good one. I'm no stranger to backpacking, and I know the rules, but I broke them one time only. This story takes place while I was doing a few nights near Mount Wilson out near Los Angeles. I got kind of a late start, and I was losing light the first night, so I set camp near a nice babbling brook. Before tying up my food bag, I decided that I'm going to bring some instant coffee and cocoa into the tent with me so I don't have to get out of my tent to make it in the morning. This was my mistake. I know I'm in bear country and not to bring any smelly, tasty stuff into the tent. I messed up. I do some reading and go to sleep. Some hours later, I wake up to hear sniffing around the tent. That's not so crazy. I've had critters come through my camp lots of times, and they usually don't find anything and move on. This time was different. I hear the bear sniffing get closer and closer into my tent, and then he's right on me. I couldn't see him, but in my mind, he was easy, 2,000 pounds. As he gets closer, I sit in my sleeping bag with the widest eyes you can imagine. He gets right up on my tent, sniff, huff, sniff, and then he starts trying to come in. I about shit my pants and start screaming, Get out of here, bear, but he's not having it. He continues to scratch at my tent, and all I can think about is how thin that material is. I start punching at the tent wall and keep up my yelling. The bear eventually decides that my cocoa isn't worth it and wanders off. Dude, my heart is thumping out of my chest. I'm freaking the F out. I didn't sleep much after that. The coffee slash cocoa the next morning was nice, but never again will I sleep with anything that smells nice in my tent. Lesson learned. My shift involved the night shift. I got a call to an old abandoned house on the outskirts of town. I wasn't too worried about it. I thought I'd be stuck dealing with a vagrant or a squatter. But as I walked up to the door, I realized something was off. As I approached the porch, I felt an overwhelming sense from inside that I shouldn't go any further. But even though my mind was screaming at me to turn back, I couldn't help myself. There's nothing more dangerous than that thin line we all have to cross, especially in our field of work as officers. 
I have every right to be here, I told myself, reaching for the handle. But just as I was about to grab it, I heard a noise coming from within. I drew my gun, held with both hands, and forced myself inside. It didn't take long for me to realize that nobody else was in here. I wasn't sure what I was expecting to see or find, but clearly this place had been vacant for a while. As soon as I had thoroughly checked everything out, I started back towards my squad car. However, I heard another sound behind me. I turned around and I saw it. It was human, I think, but its eyes were like black pits that went on forever. I couldn't even tell where I was looking when I looked into him, and then the smell hit me. An awful stench like I had never experienced before. Rotting meat left to fester in the sun for days and sulfur. I can still smell it sometimes, even though I haven't seen or heard of what it was since. I know this is a very short story, but I am not really sure what I saw that night. But I know one thing for certain, whatever that being was, God help us all if I ever have to meet it again. I grew up in Park City, Utah, and hiked all the mountains there as a kid. Knew my barrens, what plants I could eat, what to stay away from, and had good common sense to stay away from ridges, old mining caves, and shit. A few years later, in 1980, I was at the uh, Camp Roger Summer Camp in Camas, Utah. Our camp leader, we were all in groups took us on an overnight hike. He got us lost, and this was when there were no cell phones. We hiked and spent another night where it rained on us, so no fire. We hiked the entire next day and were exhausted, ran out of water and food. When we hiked over a side ridge, I immediately recognized the place because I had been there as a preteen cutting firewood with my foster dad. I knew where water was and a road, so I told the camp leader I knew exactly where we were and I'm heading that direction. At first he completely refused to believe me, so I said for him and began hiking towards where I knew the road was and water, and eventually most of the kids followed me. Within a half hour I had us all out of there on a road and flagged down a camper. I was twelve at the time. A year later, another dumbass IMCA camp leader led a group of boys up on top of a ridge where they jumped from one rock to another rock, lower with a gap, and realized they couldn't jump back. They all had to be rescued. At that camp... I live in western New York. At the complex my fiancé and I share is heavily populated. Lots of houses on the outside of the property as well. But directly behind our building is a very large section of dense forest. When we first moved here three years ago, we used to go out there smoke joints and such as we didn't want to on our back deck. Shortly afterwards, we decided the woods were no bueno, so we would just smoke on our deck. So anyways, I have had two very strange occurrences in the last two weeks. Also, I don't know if it was a crawler that I saw heard, but I figured I would post here and see what everyone's opinion is. Anyways, about two weeks ago, I'm out on my deck, a patio. We live on the second floor, and there's a staircase leading up to the door that takes you up the stairs to the third floor and whatnot. And I'm smoking a cigarette. It's about 2 or 3 a.m., and I hear a bunch of rustling at the far end of the parking lot behind our building. Out in the woods, 
So I look over there, and all I hear is this loud screech. I assumed it was some type of animal at first, but it kept walking a few feet and then screeching. It did this repeatedly until it was almost in front of me, but still in the woods. If that makes sense. At this point, I feel like something or someone is watching me, so I walk down into the parking lot, and as soon as I did, I hear the screech, but even louder this time moving towards me. I ran as fast as I've ever run in my entire life back up the steps into my apartment, shutting and locking the door. About ten minutes later, I opened the glass door. We have a screen door on the very outside. And I still hear the screeching, but even further down and deeper into the woods. I haven't heard it since that night. I really don't believe it was an animal because I've lived relatively secluded most of my life at my dad's house and I heard animals and bugs and all that. All the time, so I don't know, it was just really weird. The most recent event occurred last weekend. I was dead tired after I got out of work at 11 p.m. and I was out on the deck smoking again and I, at some point I fell asleep in my chair out there. So I wake up, it's about 3.30 a.m. and I stood up stretched and then lit another cigarette well at this point i have shaken off the sleepies and i'm kind of just scanning the tree line as i'm doing this near the far right corner of the parking lot we have those cattails or whatever they're called the tall grass crap while looking i lifted my eyes up because whatever was over there caught my attention right away i swear whatever this was it was maybe seven seven and a half feet tall kind of hunched over and just staring at me I noticed no other features that stuck out just long limbs and a blank face. As soon as I looked at it, it turned and kind of galloped into the mouth of the woods and was just gone like that. I don't know if it was a crawler or just an animal making me look stupid, but whatever it was gave me a creepy feeling. But that sums up my events. If I seem crazy, then do tell me so, because I'd rather that then be what it could be low. Let me know what you think, and thank you. Staying at a state park in Wisconsin with some buddies. Campsite has a narrow footpath at the back, about 25-30 yards through the woods to a rough service road. I'm guessing that's what it is, and a pretty vast clearing just beyond. Earlier in the night, just after dark, I decide to take a walk to the service road and have a, a little explore of the clearing. I stumble upon a decently sized shelter made of fallen trees slash limbs. It's very well put together, but its shape isn't something I would thought to use to construct. I ask to each their own. I don't think much of this organized assortment of wood after finding it. Back at camp, I've taken to going about halfway down the footpath to relieve my bladder. It's far enough away from the group where no one can complain but going too close to their tent. Obviously, it's private in the dense brush as well. It's a boogie night, and the forest canopy let no light through from above. So one trip down the pea path, I remember to use the red light on my headlamp instead of primary mode to aid in my aim while not having to swat at its sex. The stream is flowing, and I'm mindlessly looking around at the forest and the red glow of my headlamp when I notice a glowing red dot. It's about eye level further down the path, just on the edge where the service road and the footpath meet. I focus in, and just as my mind questions what the glowing sphere could be, the one turns into two. Two bright red as red can be eyes looking at me head on. 
not from above or below straight ahead, level with my own gaze. I haven't tucked, zipped, and sprinted away faster in my life than in that moment. It was a deer. We all went back out to investigate after I breathlessly told them what I saw. We caught glimpse of the doe much further down the service road. I'll never be in use of my red light in the woods again. I was camping with my boyfriend, sleeping on a blow-up mattress on the side of the tent closest to the fire with my sister on the other side of the tent. About to be sound asleep, I heard sniffing right next to my head and squeezed my boyfriend's hand to see if he heard it. My heart was pounding so hard. I have four dogs and my sister has one, so there is five dogs in the tent. Not one of them woke up. I slowly lifted my head to face my boyfriend, trying not to make a sound. I as quietly as I could ask, Did you hear that? He, with one slow nod, nodded yes. We laid there for what felt like ten minutes while hearing loud breathing and sniffing. We would squeeze each other's hand every time we heard it. We were pretty much asking, Did you hear there that too? At one point I could have sworn I heard what sounded like hooves stamping the ground about two feet away, but he never mentioned anything about it after when we were recalling what happened, so I figure I was just being paranoid. After the sounds had stopped for a while, he grabbed the gun and went to check it out. As I mentioned earlier, we were on the side closest to the fire, and it was at that point where it's just smoke and ash flying about. There were no footprints, nothing disturbed other. Then now his footprints. My sister didn't hear anything. The dogs didn't make a sound, but me and my boyfriend simultaneously heard it every single time. This is a national park in North Idaho and it's not the first time I've had a strange experience there. I don't know what we heard, but I know we heard something. I was a kid camping with a whole bunch of other kids and some camp counselors in a public park. It was probably 12.30, and we'd had all just kind of started falling asleep when my friend woke me up and told me there was someone in the woods. At first I blew her off, but then my counselors got up with their flashlights and one of our counselors had a dog that started growling. It turned out to be a couple of other counselors who were not on this overnight trip who came out to scare the crap out of us. It worked. I briefly participated in missionary work in the Congo in the late 1980s and can say with my hand on my heart that I and six other locals witnessed a jibafafi scurry across the road or clearing into the bush just five feet away from us, about an hour outside of Gamboma. It looked exactly like a long-legged tarantula, but was about the size of a medium-sized dog, pit bull, or something. Of course, everyone I've ever told says, Yeah, sure, just a big spider, monkey, or sloth. But I know what I saw and feel lucky to have seen it. I remember my first thought was not fear, but just I wish I had a film camera. The locals were shocked, too. I hope they still exist out there. The Jebofafi, also known as the Congolese giant spider, is a type of large arachnid cryptid said to inhabit the forests of the Congo. Eyewitnesses have stated that the giant arachnids dig a shallow tunnel under tree roots and camouflage with a large screen of leaves. Then they create an almost invisible web between their burrow and a nearby tree. 
stringing the whole area with a network of trip lines. Some oblivious animal, that's likely soon to end up on the creature's menu, will trip the line, alerting the spider. The victim will then be chased into the web. This type of predatory behavior is similar to that of several species of trapdoor spiders. Natives claim the Jabafofi eggs are pale yellow, white and shaped like peanuts, and the hatchlings are bright yellow with a purple abdomen. Their coloration becomes darker and brown as they mature. Some of the peoples indigenous to the regions in the Congo where the Jabafofi has been seen assert that the spider was once quite common but has since become very rare. The very first sighting of the Jabafofi by a Western observer was in the 1890s near Lake Nyasa during which British missionary Arthur John Symes and his men came upon one of the creatures. His men got themselves tangled in an enormous web and two giant spiders, which were two and four feet in length, male and female, came out of their web and attacked them. Symes was bitten but managed to escape after shooting one of them with his pistol. He subsequently developed symptoms including a deathly pallor, severe chills and swelling around the area where he was bitten and became delirious before dropping into unconsciousness. He ultimately succumbed to these effects and died. I was house-sitting for a friend's family. They lived in the country. Not BFE, but the neighbors were far enough away that you had privacy without a set of binoculars. I'd been there a million times and was well acquainted with the property. Their large dog was fond of me and would follow me around casually. Before bed, I let him outside to do his thing. He's sniffing around, he pees, and before he turns to come back in, something gets his attention. He turns facing out away from the house, hackles up and freezes. Doesn't make a sound. I can only see him because of the single porch light, and I can't see much further out than that. Pure darkness. I call him a few times and he ignores me. Suddenly he turns and sprints toward me and barges in the door, tail between his legs. He goes straight to his kennel and won't come to me. I slammed and locked the door, turned off the interior lights and turned on every exterior light, scanned the area with a flashlight, and just couldn't see anything. I let him sleep on the couch with me that night, even though I really didn't sleep. The next day I went walking out there to see what I could see, no signs of anything unusually. I told them about what happened, and they thought it was really weird for the dog to act like that. It's not unusual for coyotes to come around, but he usually fiercely barks and growls at them and scares them off. I'm sure it was an animal, and maybe he was just scared because I was scared, but regardless. Gee damn. Not knowing what's out there is way scarier than knowing. You hear that horror film writers? My journey began in the lush, dense forests of the Pacific Northwest. As I trekked through the undergrowth, I couldn't help but feel a thrill of excitement. I was finally on the trail of a creature I'd been obsessed with for years. Along the way, I met other hikers who shared their own tales of strange encounters. One woman, Sarah, recounted a bone-chilling experience from her childhood. She and her family had been camping when they heard heavy footsteps and guttural growls outside their tent. They never saw the creature responsible, but the next morning they discovered massive footprints around their campsite. She was convinced it had been Bigfoot. 
As we gathered around the campfire one night, exchanging stories, the atmosphere grew tense. The fear was palpable, and it seemed like we were all on edge. We decided it would be best to stick together for the remainder of our journey through the woods. The following day, as we trekked deeper into the forest, we stumbled upon a set of fresh tracks. They looked eerily similar to the ones Sarah had described from her childhood encounter. Our excitement was tempered by an underlying sense of dread, but we pressed on, hoping to finally catch a glimpse of the elusive creature. That night, we set up camp in a small clearing. As darkness fell, we huddled together for warmth and comfort, our eyes scanning the shadows for any sign of movement. The forest was eerily quiet, and we couldn't shake the feeling that we were being watched. Suddenly, a blood-curdling howl pierced the silence. It was unlike any animal sound I'd ever heard, and it sent shivers down my spine. We were all on high alert, clutching our makeshift weapons and scanning the darkness for the source of the noise. Then, as if out of nowhere, one of our group members, Jack, began to convulse violently. His eyes rolled back in his head, and his body contorted into unnatural shapes. We watched in horror as his features shifted, growing more bestial by the second. Before our very eyes, Jack transformed into a monstrous werewolf. Fangs bared, he lunged at us, snarling and snapping. We scattered, each of us fleeing for our lives, our search for Bigfoot forgotten in the face of this new, terrifying threat. We fought for survival, using every ounce of strength and cunning to evade the werewolf. In the end, it was Sarah who saved us all, armed with a silver knife. She plunged it into the beast's heart, causing it to collapse, lifeless, at our feet. As we regrouped, battered and bruised, we couldn't help but marvel at the irony of our situation. We had ventured into the wilderness to find Bigfoot, only to discover a shape-shifting werewolf in our midst. As we made our way back to civilization, we vowed never to forget the harrowing experience that had bonded us together.